here I am again. His father's telling me that I'm his. Destination chosen long before the oceans swelled around the mountains like the thoughts inside my temple. Open-handed invitation. I see no plate at the table, yet a fork lays at my feet. It's so easy to believe when everybody's eating green, but when the last leaf fall, could I stand as tall as he? Greater than me, because that I could never be. A humble servant broken down and beaten with severity, wiped away the severance so all could walk with clarity. So really what's been scaring me? Off-kilter clerical errors? Airing out their heresy? Reflections, scenes and lakes of tears I try to wipe my mess with mud. Setting stains will never leave unless you wash them in the blood. But is it Jesus that I really want? So here I am again to pray. You know the words I wanna say. From walking paths wide with desire, flames I once stoked, I call to retire. Lashed by truths discovered, I see now who really was the liar. I scream from pain atop my twisted spire, from foundations built on vice-gripped ire. Is my picture-perfect posture pleasing? I sit with tears and questions, pleading a wounded heart that groans from shame. Will the Father answer or push away? So will this prayer be the change that lasts? You said you are the God of right now, today. Then change me with your spirit, I pray. You delivered them, so deliver me. Like one lost under a fig tree, when will you begin with me? Oh, you've already made that start. You say that this is that change of heart. It started with a plea. So now you take a seed and you grow it into a tree. It won't be perfect because I am not he. The one we all reject be in my heart. So here I am again. Where do I start? It is Jesus that I want. It's powerful. Hey, good morning, everybody. Love that guy. It's Josiah, one of, our, one of our young adults. Love that guy. Hey, welcome. I know some of you are probably kind of brand new or new-ish around here. Just welcome. Really glad you're with us. It's important stuff we're dealing with today, and I think you're going to be glad that you came. I really, really mean that. And, uh, you know, have you, I don't know if you've been following kind of in the news. I don't know if it's making all the mainstream news or not, but there's this really kind of beautiful, like, revival it's kind of like breaking out uh, in, in our country. It started um, at, a, at a college campus, Asbury University, actually. But it's not like the preacher's coming in to say, let's do something. You know, it's just like this grassroots thing with a bunch of college kids who are kind of like hungry for God. And they're just staying and worshiping and repenting of sin and 
getting their life oriented in a God direction, like in a real beautiful, like sincere way, and it's like spreading like wildfire. It's really, really, I have a lot of friends who've participated in it and led some of it and been there and, and uh, you know, just like, yeah, it's a great, great thing that, that, that's going on. You know, it began, the, the pastor who preached the sermon in the chapel that began it preached the sermon. It was a normal chapel service. He walked off stage and he texted his wife. He just said, oh man, I just laid an egg. It was a real bomb. <laughs> I'll see you in a few minutes, you know. And he left and he had no idea that that mediocre sermon that he preached, God used to link God's word to the heart of a young man in that audience who was like wrestling with life and stuff and prayed a real prayer to God like, I want to get back with you, and then walked up on stage, grabbed the microphone, and confessed his sin in a pure and sweet way, and, and repented of it, and said, I want to get better. And they said, we're with you, and worship broke out, and it went on and on and on for days. It started with a real prayer. It started with, I want to pray like that more often. I want to pray like I want to be able to talk to God in a way that's raw and real and authentic from my gut. Like not just some like churchy sounding words that we're supposed to say because it sounds like that's what church people should say. But like a prayer that's real and authentic. Like, like half the prayers, I don't want to pray like tame, tepid, little dumb prayers. That even if they came, even if everything happened, it wouldn't matter anyway. It wouldn't change a thing. Thank you for this day. Okay, great. You ever just want to just like pray like for real? Jesus says, Jesus actually says we can pray like that all the time. He prayed in ways they were raw, they were radical, they were authentic, they were real. And Jesus says, oh, you can pray that way. And I know some of you are like, well, wait a second, man. I, I know some of you, you grew up in homes where they said praying was stupid <laughs> you know it's like talking to doing some voodoo magic or talking to Santa Claus or something and you're still kind of wrestling with that like as you maybe think it's a little stupid or maybe you're just too cool or too hip you know for prayer or you think you're too intellectual to pray or maybe sometimes I think we don't talk to God because we just feel guilty like oh it's the same old me the same old crap and I don't want to talk you're probably sick of hearing from me so you don't or Sometimes I think we feel like we can't do it right, you know, like it's got to be done. And, or maybe we, heard, maybe we heard a pastor or a priest somewhere used all these fancy schmancy words and they did such an impressive job and it's like I can't, I don't know that God would ever really hear my voice, my little old whatever voice. Or maybe some of us think prayer would be swell. We believe in it, think it'd be wonderful. We just never seem to get around to it, at least not the real kind. You know, like it's doing, it's like, it's like doing our sit-ups. We should, and I believe it would be great. I just don't really do it that often. I, I don't know where you are with, with all of that. I don't, I don't care where you are, because one thing I love about this church is we got a lot of people that are like brand new, like this is your first time watching us online today. You haven't done church or Christian stuff ever. And, and others are like, it's my first time back in a long, long, long time. And others are like, you're trying to walk with the Lord every day. And some of us are trying, but we've kind of drifted, and it just feels like there's a deadness there with God. We're not sure how to find it and get it back. I don't care where you are. Listen to me now. We're all over the map on all this stuff, but we are all exactly the same distance away from God. You hear me? 
It's not like, oh, I'm way out. I've got to have a long journey. Nope. We're all exactly the same distance away from God, and that is one prayer away. One prayer away. And that prayer, the simpler it is, the better. Like the fancier you try to make it, the worse it'll be. It's just your heart connecting to the heart of God. So that's why around here for a long time, we've always kind of tried to define prayer in a certain way. Uh, There's not, you know, magic about it, but it's a pretty cool definition. I just want to give it to you. Remember, here's the definition we sometimes use for prayer. Prayer is really just this simple. It's the real you and the real God having a real conversation. Okay? That's prayer. That's what it is. The real you and the real God. Having, but it's important. Each, each part of that's important. Like it's got to be the real you. Like something honest. Like something real. Like the thing that's really going on in your head or your heart. The time you finally decide to get honest and say something real might be the first prayer some of you have ever prayed. Even if it's just into your sleeve, like, I can't stand you, God. Why did you let that happen? Maybe you finally got real enough to pray a real prayer finally. If it's the real you and it's honest, that might be a real prayer. When we move past that perfect presentational self to what's really going on in our head and our heart, we might be ready to pray honestly. Even if it's just as simple as I don't like my life right now or I'm confused, I'm depressed, I'm exhausted. You know, I don't know. An honest statement like that takes a little courage and self-awareness to be able to know what's real. But then when you direct that God word, that's prayer. And remember, we got to pray to the real God because some of us are still praying to some like made-up fantasy God that we were handed as a kid or we saw in the news or something. There is a real God, like there's a real God, but he's not sometimes the genie in the bottle God that some of us were told about. Like if you just rub the bottle right, he comes out and Aladdin's your life. Or the, or the, the, the put the coin in the vending machine God. If I pray right or do this thing, I pull, I'll get Doritos today from God. You know, that's like our whole life. Or, or the traffic cop God, who's like just waiting in a speed trap so you screw up, and then he's like, ah, writes you a ticket. Or the meanie, judgmental God, or the grandpa, easy, look the other way when, when, you know, God. There's all these weird gods that we have in our brain, and if you're praying to that God, you're never going to find the life-giving, like, closeness to God and the future that he has for you until it's the real you and the real God, and then you can have a real conversation. That's what we want to help each other do over the next little while together. Starting today, and the God that knows you is one prayer away. I don't know if you know that God, but that God knows you. And that God is one, you are one prayer away from being closely connected to God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's just the second you get real and you're talking to the real God, you're there. It's not a 10-mile journey. And I, I, I want to say, when you can pray a simple prayer like that, it'll rock your world. That's why we've called it this. Real prayer kind of changes things. It changes the heart of God. It changes your life. It changes the world around us. It rocks the world 
Prayer is beautiful. It's what it did in Asbury. It's what it's doing everywhere. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to encourage you. You know, it may sound strange, but, you know, hear from a pastor. But I'm going to encourage you to steal some stuff, okay? You may think, well, that's weird. Yeah. I'm going to tell you to steal some stuff. And here's the thing, because some of you are like, I don't think I have those prayers inside of me. It's like, well, yeah, you do, but here's how you get there. You steal some stuff. I'm going to give you some stuff to steal today. You're going you're to have it. You're going to go, oh, okay, I can have it. I'm going to like, yep, take it. Borrow it permanently. And you're going to go, that's mine now. You're going to walk out of here today going, I, that's mine. That's how I'm going to talk to God. And the stuff you're going to steal, you pick the one that works for you, and, and it's going to be the shortest, most powerful prayer. Sometimes are the best prayers. We're going to talk in future weeks about simple prayers like this one, like, why? It's a prayer some of us need to learn to pray. Or, I think I'm ready, send me. Just a bunch more, but I'll just tease you with those two. Today, we're going to jump right in. Y'all ready to go? Buckle up. We're going to jump right in and, and talk about a prayer that if you've ever prayed any prayer at all, you've prayed this prayer. It's simple, it's short, but it's super powerful, and it orients our life toward God in a beautiful way. Uh, a few years ago, um, I took my son, Andrew, to uh, northern Minnesota in January. They had just had about 15 inches of freshly fallen snow, and it was about 5 or 10 below zero. It was like real manly Minnesota weather. I thought this is a perfect time for me to show him. You know, he, he grew up in Maryland. The boy doesn't know how to drive Minnesotan. And you guys wouldn't understand, but just kind of stay with me. But I'm like, I'm going to show him how to drive in the snow. This is, uh, this is what he needs to do. It's a rite of passage. And so we go up. We're in the middle of kind of nowhere, actually near our cabin. And I find this church parking lot's been plowed out, nice and packed. It's like beautiful time time to show him how to do donuts. So we pull in there, and I'm like doing donuts and doing all this stuff. I'm sure he was really impressed with his dad. And, you know, just we're having a great time, just buzzing around. It's about 10 o'clock at night. And then I'm getting ready to leave, and there's this, there's this driveway that turns like this and goes back out to the highway. And I'm like, well, this is a great time for me to whip that tail end around and show him what that's like, you know, maybe do a 360 on the way. And, and so I'm just gunning it. And you kind of know where the story's going, don't you? <laughs> you got it. So I come around the corner and I'm, I'm just like trying to, you know, maybe I'm a little out of practice. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that car slid quite a bit further than I intended it to. And then the front and back left tires boom, went off the edge in this snow bank. And they were pretty packed in and pretty caught. I'm thinking, this is perfect. This is a great opportunity for me to show my son how Minnesotans get out of the snow. So it's like, this happens all the time, no problem. I'm, I come from a family where when you turn 16, your dad gives you uh, a set of um, jumper cables and a fold-up shovel for your trunk. That's where I grew up. So I'm like, great. Son, walk home, get another shovel. He did, came back. And, and we dig in and we start digging. We're you know, around the tires and trying to get the snow from underneath. And I'm showing him, this is how you do it. This is great, no problem. This is not going to be an issue. And we're shoveling, shoveling, shoveling. Our fingers are freezing. Our toes are numb. Our backs are breaking after like an hour of this. I'm like, gosh, I was packed in there a little harder than I thought. But I think we're ready to go. And then I'm like going to show him the technique. Marylanders wouldn't understand this, but there's a certain technique you know, you got to rock the car and tell him to push at the right time. He's just going to watch this, son. Here's what, here's what happens here. We just kind of rock this thing, and it kind of had that thing all figured out. And every, we rocked it and did that like several times. And every time I did, started to notice, it started to sink further and further down and that car. And then so we dug out again. And an hour later, we tried it again. And by the end of that process, that car is practically on its side and is completely buried in snow. And then there's a moment that hits me, which hit him about an hour and a half earlier. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, you know, Andrew, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to get this car out of here tonight. 
we might, uh, we might need some, uh, what's that word? Oh, yeah, help. Yeah, we might need help. I thought the lesson I was going to show them is how to be in control and handle the snow. Uh, the lesson that I learned instead was that sometimes you do need help. I'm just guessing that there's some of us that have lived long enough to know that you find yourself in that situation once in a while. And I'm guessing that there's some of us right now in this room who are exactly in that spot. You've been trying to do this, and you thought you could. You thought you had it. You had it before, but this time, for whatever reason, everything you do makes it worse. And you're stuck. Or you can't. And you hate it. Because your kid's just doing what they're doing. And you can't make them do what you want them to do. Or that spouse you've been walking with for so long is now ill and you can't fix it. Or that marriage that was going one way is now going another. Or your mental health that you wrote on that card a couple weeks ago, that weed in our garden that we surrendered. The reason we wrote it on the card is because we needed help. Whatever it is, it's no fun to be in the ditch. But when you finally come to terms with it and say, I am not strong enough, I am not smart enough, I don't have the energy, I'm not Superman, I, I don't know what to do, or even though I do, I can't. When you finally get to that place and you take that thought, that real, raw, honest, guttural thing, and you aim it Godward, and you say, God, you can, you say those words that might be the first real prayer you've ever prayed, which is what? Help. It might be a whimper. Help. It might be a shout in anger or fear or desperation. As you claw at the very doors of heaven, but when you pray help, it is the basic prayer, it is the first prayer. Everyone has prayed this prayer. You know, even people who don't believe in God pray this prayer. The goal isn't just to sort of say help and then, you know, get a fix. The goal is to have those opportunities where we call for help and God comes through to build a relationship of faith with us so we can talk to God all the time, not just when we're desperate. You know, that night when we finally came to terms with it, uh, I called someone who called someone. They happened to be just down the road like two miles. They were heading out to go see some friends. And they're like, no problem. They swing by this big old, uh, this big old four-wheel drive pickup truck show off lady got out and she didn't she didn't put a coat on she just kind of was like talking to me like it was like Saturday afternoon like hey how you doing she had the strap she had the stuff she's like yeah whatever the fishing's good blah 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 and she just like pulled the thing right out of there it's like well that wasn't hard at all see ya she's gone I'm just like whatever <laughs> but you know what she was close she was nearby she was ready and when we say help that's how God is and when you pray like that it's the first thing it's the first thing we should do when your back is against the wall, when you're lying in bed, when you can't, when you're going under the waves, when you're sick and tired of something, and you direct that kind of help prayer to God. Man, it's powerful. And sometimes what we're going to do is we're going to pray for what? We're going to pray for ourselves. And that is legit. Jesus teaches us to do that. And so that's the first thing you're going to pray for. 
I mean, sometimes we get stuck like this little guy. You ever felt like this little guy? This poor little, poor little individual here? Yeah. It's like you got in a place you didn't really want to be to begin with, and then you got in harder, longer than you wanted to stay, stuck in a bad place. Take a look at Luke 18, verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, there's a man who's only described as being a blind beggar. Not two adjectives either of us would like placed on our lives. He's begging beside the road. He's not described as a husband or father. He's just like, here he is. He's a blind beggar who was stuck. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked, what's happening? And they told him, well, that's Jesus. The Nazarene was going by. And this is his moment. What does he do? He does what you and I would do if we were a blind beggar. He asked for help. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's something you can steal. Have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. Some of you need to steal that. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, David, son of mercy, son of, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him a million-dollar question, what, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? Sometimes I think Jesus just wants to hear us say that we're connecting our need and our dependence, our inability to him and say, I need, I want help with this when we're at our lowest and we say, I Jesus, have mercy on me. What do you want? And you can say, it's okay. I have the flu. Can you help me get through this? I don't know if we have enough money to make it to next quarter. What do you want me to do? I, I need you to hold my family together. I somehow need more sleep. I can't seem to stop doing drugs or yelling at my wife or eating this food. Can you help? In this guy's case, he said, Lord, I want to see. That's what I want. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately, instantly, that man could see. And he followed Jesus. Of course, he praised God and everyone else did too. And when you ask for help, in faith, directing at Godward, sometimes, immediately, sometimes years later, sometimes God grants exactly the very thing that you asked for. I love the stories in this church of how God has answered those prayers exactly as we'd prayed, and he doesn't always do that. And sometimes you ask for help for something that it's like, God, you did, did you do anything? Did you, or did you... But he always hears, and he always, you always know he's there, and he helps, and he guides, and he loves, and he cares for, and he gets you through. And when you're like that blind man, the next time you can't see what's in front of you, you can't see how God's at work, you can't see anything, and all you know is that Jesus just might be near, and you say help, you know he will do the same for you. Because you need to pray help for ourselves sometimes. It's okay. Do it. Steal that. Have mercy on me, Jesus. But sometimes we need to pray for other people. I mean, how many of you have like a prayer list, at least in your mind, where you're like, man, I got to remember to pray because there's people that you care about that you can't just like push some button and make it all better. So what do we do? We pray. We say, help. Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a little town where he hung out a lot up by the Sea of Galilee, a Roman officer, in other words, like a general in the army, a centurion he was known as, pleaded with him for help. Lord, my young servant lies in bed 
paralyzed and in terrible pain. This vibrant little guy apparently is running around doing everything. All of a sudden, he's so sick he can't move. And this, and this guy is, here's a Roman officer who's like a big deal. He's a big shot. He's used to barking orders and people do what he says. He can leverage his influence. He can do whatever he needs to do. And everything happens the way he wants it to happen in his world. Except now he's got a little buddy who's really hurting. And he, what does he do? He says, help to Jesus. Verse 7, Jesus says, I will, I will come and heal him. And that's how we pray all the time. Friend, don't underestimate the power of prayer when you unleash the gates of heaven and the goodness of grace in our direction. Prayer, we're told in Scripture, changes the heart of God. It changes the world. It rocks the world. And so you bring that list of other people that you're concerned about, someone whose heart is breaking, someone whose family is falling apart, someone who's, you know, Mike, who's trying to help Evelyn through dementia. When you're just trying to speak the name of Jesus over somebody because you know that's all you can do. When a marriage is breaking apart, when your kids are, ju you just don't know. You just say, help. The woman who shared her affair and now, you know, trying to break, uh, put the family back together again. Our daughter this week lives in Spain, called with a, called with a, a sore throat and you know, mom and I are like, what, what, what's going on? Well, I, you know, it feels like, you know, noth nothing big, just my airway is closing. No, you know, but I mean, it's just like, come on. So you tell her to get to the doctor, and what else do you do? You pray, God, will you help? Because you see someone die, you get mad at death, what do you do? You pray for help, for ourselves, for others, for people to make it through. As Anne Lamott says, this is, this is a hard planet, and we are a vulnerable species. And sometimes all you can do is say, help for the miracle for this one to make it through, for this family that did not make it through, so help them put the pieces together. God, help for, with the earthquake. Help with the Ukraine and the Russia thing. There's no easy answers in the Bible for pain and suffering. There's not a little glib like, oh, here's how that works. No, it's not there. It's like this is a riddle that we will learn one day when God puts everything to right, but in the meantime, life is hard. We're a vulnerable species, and it makes us dependent, and so we live in this constant posture if we're real and honest, unless we're less like, like Americans who are going to get out of the ditch on our own, if we're real and honest Christians, we're going to say, we need God. Help us to get through. And sometimes that's all you've got. And Jesus says, that's enough. That's enough. Help us walk through it. So we pray for other people. We pray for others. Prayer boils down to admitting that we're so ruined, God loves us so much, and we're in charge of so little. That's it. You can get honest enough to know that. You can pray. So let me give you some more stuff to steal. Go right to the Bible. Go to Psalms. Practically open any Psalm. Put your finger down. It'll be something you can steal. But let me give you a few. Here's one. Psalm 5. You can pray Psalm 5. I love 3, 4, and 5, but 5 is awesome. How about verse 2? It says, listen to my cry for what? Help. My king and my God, I am praying to you like right now. You can take that prayer and steal it. Make it yours. Psalm 18. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for what? Help. Help. From his temple, guess what? He heard my voice. It's a reminder that God hears you. My cry came before his ears. Steal that one. How about Psalm 22, verse 11? Don't be far from me, for trouble is near me and there is no one to help. But God, verse 19, you are my strength. Can you come quick like right now would be nice? My favorite, Psalm 46. 
God, you are our refuge. You're our strength. And you're ever, pre- like when I need you the most and when I'm really in trouble, that's when you show up the most. So you're my helper. You know, sometimes if you feel like you can't find the right thing to steal out of the Bible to voice that prayer, you can just go get one of these prepackaged ones, these pre-planned. You know, when you go down the grocery aisle, the, you, probably the healthier food, you're going to go over here and get the real ingredients and make it from scratch. You probably shouldn't get all that prepackaged stuff. But, you know, when it comes to praying, just go total prepackaged if you have to. And it's just as healthy. Okay, get a pre-planned one. Some of you also, in the, in, the, in the recovery community, we know all about the serenity prayer, for example. It's pre-packaged. But man, it, it, can, it can feed your soul. Let's pray it together. Let's pray the serenity prayer. Let's put that on the screen. The word serenity means, like, give me the peace and the calmness of, of mind to be able to, to deal with this wisely right now. Okay, so let's, will you just pray, let's pray it out loud together, okay, ready? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Serenity prayer, steal that. Someone said to me, the three things you know I can't change are the past, the truth, and someone else. It's true, right? Man, I hate that. Thomas Merton. Here's one. He said, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Let's steal it from him. Thomas Merton. Let's put it on. Let's read this one together as well. Ready? My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. Some of you are like, is that a prayer? Uh, Yeah. It's a way of saying help. Some of these pre-assembled prayers are really important. I've got a really, I know this very odd duck person who wrote a very odd duck prayer. And I thought, well, that's perfect for some of you. (laughs) So let me read this odd duck prayer that's written by an odd duck person and see if some of you odd ducks might find it refreshing. I'll read it for us. You might want to pray with it. Ready? Hi, God. I'm just a mess. It's all hopeless. What else is new? I would be sick of me if I were you, but miraculously, you are not. I know I have no control over other people's lives, and I hate this. Yet I believe that if I accept this and surrender You will meet me where I am and you will take these concerns and these needs and these people into your hands and I can take my sticky mitts off of it all. Wow. Can this be true? You will meet me whenever and wherever I truly show up and hear all the stuff that bogs down my brain and hurts my heart? Wow, can this be true? If so, how's this afternoon? Say two-ish? Thank you in advance for your company and blessings. You have never once let me down. In the name of Jesus, who helps so many and I believe wants to help me. Amen. You can steal that. 
And you know what's beautiful is even if you feel like I, I, I can't get the word, I'm not a word person, I, I, or sometimes it's just too deep and too hard, the Bible says, oh, God's got you covered. Look at Romans 8. It reminds us in verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You're just too weak to even know what to pray. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Every follower of Jesus has this promise, you guys, and he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Even when you don't have the words or the way, you can't do anything except just like Ugh! something comes out of your bowels and up through your mouth and you just can only say, ah. Oh! And and the Spirit of God says, oh, I know exactly what you mean. I'll take it to the Father. It's prayer. And sometimes that's the realest thing we can do is grunt. And God says, okay, I'll take it from there. I know what you mean. Some of you can steal Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, he himself, Jesus, said, I will never leave or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my what? The Lord's my helper. That's a prayer. God, I know you're my helper, and I know you haven't forsaken me. Psalm 60. Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. When you go to a person, a man or a woman, and you say, help me out, sometimes you only end up deeper in the ditch. And sometimes you just need to say, I need need you, God. I need you right now. No one else is going to get me out of this. I've been trying to have someone else be my God. It's time for you to, to help. Psalm 63, because you have been my help, therefore I, I am in the shadow of your wings and I will rejoice. Isn't that a beautiful image? A mother bird just kind of protecting from the elements, the little chicks. Okay, so let's wrap this up with some of the teaching of Jesus, okay? Some of us, have you ever felt like a total rookie when it comes to prayer? Just like a total noob, like I'm embarrassed. I probably should get this by now, but I don't. That's honest. What I think is comforting to me sometimes is that the people that should have known Jesus the best, like his disciples who hung out with him, they walked around, they're with him all the time, and they witnessed him preaching these real, raw, authentic, radical prayers of authenticity to the Father, and they're like, when no one's looking, they're like, Jesus, can you teach us how to do that? Can you teach us how to pray like that? And Jesus doesn't shame them or anything. He just says, of course. Hey, when you pray, let me give you a model that would kind of help you. And he says, you can just pray like our Father who art in heaven. Some of you have probably heard this. Hallowed or holy is your name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done all around us. We sang it today, didn't we? And then what's the next word? Give. Help. Get, God, I, I, need some, I need some things. I can't, I can't do anything without you. Give us this day. Give us our bread. Give us our forgiveness. Give us protection from evil. Because there's things that we can't do. So we come, Jesus teaches us, with a humble posture of dependence toward God. I don't possess the wisdom, the ability, the, the capacity to even lead my life where I want it to go, God, give, give, God. And Jesus says, you know he's like a father who just loves giving stuff to his kids, right? You know that. So ask that when you pray. Say, give out of a spirit of humble dependence. 
and recognize that every day we have nothing except what he's already given us. Give. And then don't forget about that word bread. What's that all about? Well, you know, at the basic level, it's literally what it, what it is. It's like, I need to survive today. I need to get through the day. Daily, you know, the bread was what you needed to survive. There's a physical. There's also a spiritual element, like Jesus is the bread of life. You know, give me that too. But what I love about this is, is there's this radical turn in this prayer that Jesus teaches. He, you start out by praying for God in the heavens, the Holy One, the big, great God who's over this whole kingdom and may it come to earth and then... Can I have a sandwich? Isn't that beautiful? You know, it's from way up to, way down to the stuff of our daily table. God cares about your lunch. The sovereign God cares about the real needs that we face every day. Sometimes I think we're afraid to pray something too big for God, but we need to just realize, man, we can take the big stuff. Like, yeah, we just pray help. What else? I don't know what to do about Ukraine and Russia. I pray for help. I don't know what to do about the earthquake victims. I pray for help. I don't know what to do about some things in our country. I pray for help. And friend, the Bible says that sometimes God does things that are beyond what we would even think to ask or imagine. But sometimes he waits on us, I think, to pray in faith to uncork the powers of God. So don't ever be afraid to pray for something because you think it's too big. But you know what? I actually think our problem is often the reverse or we think God's just got too many big fish to fry and he wouldn't be concerned about my little stuff. We forget that God specializes in seemingly insignificant details of life. He's got a lot, he's got a lot of universe to run. Why would he care about my stuff? But God, God says, when you pray, it's okay to come to me and ask for daily bread. God, help me with my arthritis. Help me. Help me with this speech I have coming up, this difficult conversation, this job interview. Help me. I think we can get trivial with God, you know. It's like, I don't know if he cares about that parking space for you, but he might. I know one time, a few years back, a long time ago, actually, my son is practically 30 now. He's like five years old. This is a different son, Nathan. Probably 10 o'clock at night. He calls out in the night. Daddy, daddy. Go running up there. What's up, son? He's sitting up in his bed, kind of confused, holding his finger. He's got a problem with the finger. Can't sleep. He's got a problem with the finger. He's kind of half showing me. Can't really. He just he's got a problem. So, Dad, what do you do? You go into diagnostic mode, right? Flip on the light. Let me see it. Let me take a look at that. Like, oh, gosh. It really looks pudgy and swollen. Gosh. Then I notice all of his fingers are that way, so that's not it. You know, but, but, uh, you know, but then, you know, I look at it, and he's like, finally narrow it down to one little spot and trying to figure it out. It's like, what did, did he break it today? What happened today? And I figured out, you know what he had? It was his first hangnail. Can't sleep. Hangnail's annoying. It's like, ah, he didn't know what it was. He's like, it's, something's wrong. So I did what every good dad would do. He's like, Carla? <laughs> Carla comes in, you know, so I'm looking at it. I'm like, I do, I do the thing that dads do. I'm like, here, Nathan, let me just a second here. Kiss it. Mom puts a wet washcloth on it. Both of those, zero medicinal value. But then we prayed. What else are you going to do? God, uh, will you help Nathan's finger feel better so he can get some rest? We know that you can and will provide for us, Father. So help Nate's finger, we pray. Amen. Tiny boy, tiny finger, tiny hangnail. Great big God. 
And I don't know. I don't remember or know if God healed his finger that night. He might have. Good night, Nate. Turn off the light and go to bed. He went to bed knowing he's got an earthly father who was willing to kiss his finger. That's worth something. But he went to bed knowing he's got a heavenly father who's on the job. Friends, you've got the same thing going for you. No matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. Because no problem is too big for God that you can't say help and he can't handle it. No problem is too small for God that he's like bored with it. Isn't that beautiful? It's just a beautiful thing. Maybe that'll help us. Hey, don't forget that, that word that Jesus threw in there as well. Daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Like a reminder that, man, I need it every day. Don't let your relationship with God be one of those that used to be one way, but then you drifted apart because you just stopped talking every day. Daily bread. When Jesus said, you can say, give us this day our daily bread, everybody who heard him said, oh, I know what he's talking about. You know what they would have thought of? They would have thought of their story from their history where the children of Israel were out in the wilderness, in the desert, for 40 years, like, help! And God says, I got you. And the next day, he provided for them. They get up in the morning, and there's these little flakes of bread on the ground. They're like, what is it? And they're like, which is the word manna, by the way, what is it? And God's like, well, let's call it that. Manna. And it's enough for you today. And they're like, oh, great, let's get a bunch of it and store it up for the weekend. God's like, no. You come back tomorrow, and it'll be there. Just daily bread. Because he wanted them to trust him and lean on him and say, I depend on you. So he just gave them a little bit every day, and then morning by morning, they would get up in new mercies. I see. Daily bread. Jesus says, keep praying like that. Don't ever stop that. Don't ever just like, oh, I've got it now. I can take it from here, God. Daily. Great is thy faithfulness. New mercies I see every single day. The sun comes up tomorrow morning. It's your reminder that the manna providing God is, is in your life and on the job and on his throne and cares about your daily bread. So you just keep coming and we just keep saying help. You know, we thought what would be good is instead of talking about prayer today, maybe let's just pray together. Would that be okay? Instead of this, like being a presentation, let's make it a lab session, okay? You good with that? Hello. Because this is participatory time now, okay? I'm going to ask Jared to come on out here with us and let's clear this out of the way. Maybe someone can move that and we'll... You know, will you just kind of get ready to pray? You know, I don't know what that means for you. I feel like I've got to get my body and my brain ready. Like, let's just not call this a normal moment. Let's like, let's go to God and we're going to ask for help. And maybe think about the body posture. I've found that when I change how I, my body is, it, it gets me more ready for prayer. Jared, I've seen you pray with your hands out like this. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like I got some stuff to give you, God, but maybe I'm also kind of open for whatever. Maybe you want to do that today, right now. Just put your hands on your lap or up in the air, whatever. That's why a lot of people will bow their heads. It's a, just a posture of humility before God, like reminding that he's God and we're not. I'm going to kneel right now. I invite you to kneel. We don't have little kneeling benches or anything fancy like that. But some of you, you're just going to like, right now, you're just going to like scooch around, flip around. You can put your elbows right where your butt is now. <laughs> That's fine. But you'll be 
you'll be bowing, you know. Yeah. We're, I think I told you a couple weeks ago, the elders and I and some others in the church were just, we're, we're trying to do kneeling prayer three times a day. And it's just like, it's, it's good. It's something important about it. So can we just do that now? We're just, Jared and I will just lead us through a couple things. We'll pause, give you a chance to voice your own prayer for help. Assume whatever posture you want to. And, uh, and then we'll pray a little bit, y'all. Keep it real. The real you coming. The real God's ready. Let's pray. God, we, we just, we come humbly kneeling before you as a symbol of our dependence on you. And some of us have gotten ourselves into a big problem. There's some big thing in our life right now that we just, maybe we got ourselves into it or it's some issue in our, someone we care about, whatever, but we, it's bigger than we can handle and we lift it to you right now in this moment. We name it and we say, God, will you, will you help? Some of us, we have a, a child or a family member, someone we love dearly uh, that has no control or we have no control over. And God, we have this desire within us to change things so desperately. But we know that you are required. That God, we can only change those relationships. We can only help them with you in the middle of it. And so we offer them up to you right now, Jesus. God, for some of us, it's our marriage. And we just invite your help. We know there's work to do and all of that, but with the things that have gone on and where we are, we know we need your help. We're begging you to intervene in our marriages. And for some, it might be singleness. There's some aspect of being alone again or being lonely or some part of our single life that just is a challenge that we, we just say, God, whether our marriage or whatever our status or we would just say, help. God, we know that there's, uh, there's somebody in this room going through a health crisis. Maybe it's a, a fresh diagnosis. Or God, maybe it's a, a lifelong ailment. Or God, maybe it's someone we know and love is at home in bed or, or sick in a hospital. And God, we have nowhere to turn but to you, our great physician. We want so desperately for them or for us to be healed. Touch us and heal us as we turn to you and we pray for help. God's, it's finances for some of us. There's a struggle that's threatening to overwhelm us. Our daily bread is the mortgage or the bills that are piling up and we, we've got work to do or a, we, we've got an avenue of freedom that we can't find yet and we pray now. 
for help. God, for some of us, there is a sin issue. It's gotten out of hand in our lives. God, maybe it's known by others and they're calling, it on, calling us on it and we're, uh, we're deflecting or running. Or God, maybe it's something hidden that no one else can even see. But God, we know that you see it. And we know that the gospel is goodness. The gospel is grace. The gospel is forgiveness. The gospel is kindness. That in your mercy, you love us right where we are and you forgive us. So God, help us to turn to that, to repent of our sin, to seek you for help. And God, for some of us, maybe today is the first time we've done that. We're new to this whole church and God thing, but in some beautiful way, your grace is becoming known in these moments. Lord, help that grace just wash over us like a wave we can't escape. And God, for those of us who've walked with you for a long time, remind us once again of the goodness of God found in the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. His grace is sufficient every single time that we come up short. Lord, help us not to run from it, but to receive forgiveness from you, to turn away from that sin once and for all as we seek you as our help. Lord, just gather up the needs and what we have for you today, whether it's our loneliness or our anger, our sadness, our needs, whatever it is, Lord, we know that you are there. We, we offer up the whole needs of this aching planet for ourselves and others, God. We say we can't, you can, you're great, we're not, please help. And in your mercy, hear these prayers. We pray it in the strong, able, gracious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Can you help getting out? <laughs>